0: Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera.
1: Shalom everybody and welcome to Christians with Torah. I'm Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I am here, as you can see, and we're on location and I'm with my wife Ashley. Yes. Hi
0: everyone. It's great to be here.
1: It is, it is good to Thank be
0: here. Thank you
1: for having me. Ah, you're welcome. <laughs> So we are in Israel, uh, in the, the Holy Land, on the Mount of Blessing. We're volunteering with our whole family here at Hayovel. Hayovel is an awesome organization uh, that we love. This is my third time here, this is her second time here, and uh, we're serving the Jewish farmers in Judea and Samaria, So We're having a great time. Mm-hmm. Now today's podcast is actually about Yom Kippur, and so we want to stay on topic, but before we do that, I think it'd be cool for us to just give you just a little snippet about, you know, our experience so far and what our favorite things are while we're here in the land. Yeah, sure. So what is your favorite part about being here at Hayyvel in the land of Israel?
0: My favorite part, Uh, that's, that's a hard question to kind of narrow down, my favorite part, but if I were to think of one thing in particular that really stands out, Um, is the opportunity to kind of do all this with our family, the harvesting. um, Yeah, I guess I should
1: mention that we're here for the grape harvest specifically. So one of the things about the Jewish farmers here in the Shomron or in Samaria, uh, you know, the world calls this area that we're in the West Bank, Mm -hmm. uh, but the Bible, you know, the Bible calls it Judea and Samaria. It's the biblical heartland. It's where 85% of the Bible stories that we read uh, happened. And so it's kind of an uh, important thing to recognize that we as Bible believers should be calling it by its correct name. So when we say Judea and Samaria, like I said, when you see the news uh, and you see somebody say the West Bank, um, it's not the West Bank. It's the eastern side of Israel mm-hmm. and it's the heartland, uh, the yeah. biblical heartland of Israel. So we're up in the mountains. We're on um, Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim uh, which is the Mount of Blessing, where Joshua, uh, where they, they stood on one, one of one, you know, six tribes stood on the Mount of Blessing, si- uh, six tribes stood on the Mount, uh, Mount Abel, the Mount of Cursing, and they declared the, the blessings and the curses for following the ways of God. So, um, anyways, but I mentioned grape harvest. The whole, uh, the whole point of us being here is to help the Jewish farmers who are pioneering settling the land here uh, for the Jewish people need help right so these farmers they can do a lot of this work that's the maintenance stuff all throughout the year but when it comes to bringing in the harvest for them to make a good wine the harvest needs to be taken in all at once and so we with uh, a lot of other christian volunteers are here Mm -hmm. volunteering so anyways yeah so
0: that part is one of my favorites is volunteering with my family so that includes all of us uh, my mom and my children and we get to just wake up early do all the hard parts together, all the fun parts together, and then just experience the land together is a huge blessing. That's what High is all about. They're really four families serving together, experiencing together, and, of course, participating in God's plan. Amen. So it's been great.
1: It has been great. Yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, one of the cool things about while we're here is that the feasts are happening. The fall feasts are happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, In just a few days, we're going to have... Actually, you know what? I don't. I don't know when this will actually come out. This will come out after Yom Teruah but we're recording this before uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah and I did an episode with Avraham Hermone, uh, which you should. If you haven't seen that and you're watching this first, you should go back and watch that one. It was really cool. He actually, uh, you know, he has made his own shofars and all kinds of cool stuff, and he blows the shofar to, uh, in that episode, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. We had a, we had a good time. So, yeah. so Yom Kippur. Uh, Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. It's technically Yom Kippurim, which, uh, when you add that "im" in Hebrew on the end of Yom Kippur, it makes it plural. So it's actually the day of Atonement. Um, it's a, a corporate holiday, and so we're going to go through some scriptures. We're going to talk about it and uh, run through some bullet points. If you guys have seen, I have Pastor Nick's notes right here in front of me, and so we're going to we're going to use those notes uh, as uh, as faithful stewards. Amen. Yeah, we'll do our best. We'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the fall feast consists of Yom Teruah, which is uh, the day of blowing or the day of trumpets, and Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, and Sukkot, which means booths. So uh, this is tabernacles or booths, the feast of booths. Um, the feast of Yom Teruah or trumpets is celebrated on the first day of the seventh month. The month is called Tishrei uh, in Hebrew, and it is celebrated by blowing shofars. Um, it's also Consider the Jewish Civil New Year. It's the first day of the seventh month, and if you go back and watch the Yom Teruah episode, you'll kind of get some details on why there's multiple New Years, because if you read your Bible, you know that the first day of the first month is a new year as well. And so uh, from the feast day of Yom Teruah, which is uh, the Feast of Trumpets, to the feast day of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, that period of those ten days is called the Ten Days of Awe, and it's uh, part of the season of Teshuvah that starts the month before, uh, which is part of the season of repentance. So it's yeah. it builds by, you know, starting with the month of Elul, and then it continues to build and build and build all the way up until you get to Yom Teruah, you're blowing the shofar, and then, you know, there's 10 days of awe and then it culminates with Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. And so, we're gonna start out by reading uh, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 27 through 32. And uh, Ashley's going to read. She's going to start at verse 27.
0: And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people and any person who does any work on that same day that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest and you shall afflict your souls. On the ninth day of the month, at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath.
1: All right. So, uh, a lot of a lot of good information there. Some good instructions about Yom Kippur. Uh, and so, first and foremost, when is Yom Kippur celebrated? Mm-hmm. When is it celebrated?
0: On the tenth day in the seventh month.
1: So, in the seventh month, the month of Tishrei, uh, which starts the fall feasts, uh, it is the tenth day of the seventh month. Now, Yom Kippur. Um, has a couple of different ways that it's referred to in the Bible. So if you're reading the Bible, there's some names, some themes, some idioms, like some uh, figures of speech that are used in all of these figures of speech uh, describe or refer to the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And so the first is Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. The next one is face to face. There's this idea that the, the High Priest on that day goes into the Holy of Holies. It's the one day that he goes into the Holy of Holies and meets with God face face to face. face. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also called the day, or the great day. Uh, It's called the fast. Uh, You heard in here that it says that you are to afflict your souls. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the Hebrew, uh, it is understood that the idiom Mm -hmm. for afflict your soul is a fast, that you would, you know, what what more could you think of that would be more afflicting? Almost
0: like denying yourself. Right,
1: denying yourself food, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also called the Great Shofar, or the Shofar HaGadol in Hebrew, and uh, finally it's the Nilah. So the last service uh, on Yom Kippur is the Nilah, and that is the closing of the gates. There's an idea uh, in uh, Jewish thought that on Yom Teruah, or Rosh Hashanah, the books are opened, Mm -hmm. right? And it's almost like the king sits on the throne, and he opens the books, and the people are coming before him to be judged. And then it all culminates on Yom Kippur where the books are closed or the gates are closed and that's like your final opportunity for redemption, right? right? And so we all know that we're looking forward to to that day which is coming. And so uh, Kippur means, uh, we we translate it as atonement but it can also mean ransom uh, by means of substitute. And uh, we're gonna get into that a little bit with the sacrifices that happen on Yom Kippur. Uh, but we can go to uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. And so if you have your Bible, you should turn there. Uh, Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. And it says, uh, Romans 3, I in mean Romans 2, Romans 3, 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. "...being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus."
0: So it's almost like an opportunity for him to show his perfection. Yeah. Through us and what he did for us. So it's not all about us on Yom Kippur.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, because it's about him.
0: It's all about him.
1: It's all about him. Um, You know, this section of scripture explains the significance of our atonement in the context of Yom Kippur, because we have atonement that we see through the sacrifice that Yeshua made on our behalf. Right. this word here, there was a big church word here, propitiation in verse 25. And uh, it can be, let's see here, it's three, verse 25. And it says that it's translated mercy seat, right? Uh, But propitiation is a substitute. So it's, it's substitutionary atonement. This is a Mm-hmm. a big term that just means that instead of us receiving the punishment for our sins, Yeshua received the punishment for our sins in our place. Right. And so the punishment that we rightfully deserved we don't receive. And that's why it's referring to mercy here in the Greek, right? Right. Think about it. You know, if grace is unmerited favor, meaning things that we don't deserve were being given as gifts from God, and mercy is not receiving the punishment that we do deserve, then this is the biggest act of mercy that we could ever hope for, right. that God Himself would come and die for us and receive you know, our sin upon Him and then receive the punishment for that sin. I mean, it just blows, blows your mind. It almost sounds like, you know, like, like a, it, mm-hmm. how can this be, right? right. What, what love is this? Who loves in that way? It's so,
0: almost hard to understand and comprehend or accept for some.
1: I, I think it is. Yeah. I think I think that's true. Yeah. I think it definitely is. So um, we're going to move on to Leviticus chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then you're going to take it away. You got it?
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: All right. So uh, chapter 16, verse 1 of Leviticus, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering, and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded in linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself. And for his house. And so we're gonna pause there because there's there's more to this story once we get to verse seven. It's
0: a lot of instruction.
1: Right? <laughs> it's very detailed. Yeah. Is that what you were gonna say? Yes. Lots of detail. Do you like detail?
0: Um, yeah. I mean in small portions.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they say that Leviticus is the meat of Torah. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have uh, the bread, you know, of Genesis, you right. know what I mean? And then you have the toppings of Exodus, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have the meat there in the middle. Right mm-hmm. of Leviticus, and of course there's no cheese because it's kosher. Right. <laughs> and then clearly we have some condiments in Numbers, and then another, the other half of the bread in Deuteronomy.
0: Right. Okay, so then the next question. Yeah. I read out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So was Aaron able to go into the holy of holies at all times?
1: No. 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 It clearly says here in these instructions uh, that after Nadab and Abihu. Are taken out by the Lord for the sin of bringing profane fire that uh, that they should not. They, like no longer is it going to be just come whenever you want before the mercy no. seat.
0: So it's like a set apart day.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And so and so he also had to make an atonement for the priests. So now God is putting together a way because I think this is interesting because in, in reference to like say the temple that's going to be here today, right? Mm-hmm. The temple, the third temple is coming and there's people that are making preparations, but the reason that they haven't been able to start doing the things they want to do yet is because of why? Do you know why? (laughs) It's because of the the red heifer, right? right? They haven't purified the priest, right? And so here we have this, you know, we talk about the five offerings in Leviticus, but this talks about a consecration offering. And we've heard of consecration offerings before this chapter in Leviticus. However, here, this is a consecration offering that is specific to the priest before the Day of Atonement, right, mm-hmm. because the, the the priest is going to make an atonement for the people, but before he can make an atonement for the people, he first has to make an atonement for himself. Right. And he does that by bringing a young bull and a ram, and, which we see here in these verses. And so, um, obviously we know the ram is offered as a burnt offering and Next, we get into some some more meat. You, two you, goats. You ready for some more meat? Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go. Uh, you want me to read, or you want to read? You can read. Okay. All right. So starting in verse seven, he says, "He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats: one lot for the Lord, and this is the Lord in all caps. This is this is the Yod Hevaveh, and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat." on which the the Lord's lot fell, and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. This is is kind of mysterious, Mm -hmm. you know, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one goat's chosen to be sacrificed to purge, um, in this case, what they call the shrine, I think, in the King James. And it, the other one is used to to put the sin of the people on, and they're they're kind of sent out, and so, um, so... what do you mean
0: by the shrine?
1: The, um, so when we say shrine, the, the actual t- tabernacle itself, because in this case, we're reading this one that's at the tabernacle, but it could also be the temple, which right. we would say that the shrine would probably be what's behind the veil, right? You're bringing could it, it all the way in right
0: prepares the place
1: right also um the goat for the people is is called the azazel and this is the one that's sent into the wilderness and so um the first goat cleanses the sanctuary uh and the next the second goat is designated as the the scapegoat or the azazel and it's sent into the wilderness where traditionally they say that it is pushed off of a cliff Mm -hmm. to die and they've found you know supposedly cliffs with lots of goat bones you know at the bottom of the cliff, uh, because you wouldn't want to put the sin on the goat, send it off into the wilderness, and the goat then come back find find its way <laughs> back into the camp. Um, but isn't that prophetic? Mm-hmm. How like the goat coming back is kind of like sometimes we allow our sin. Like sure. we, we we go we send our or sin off into the wilderness. if we
0: don't try to get rid of it the correct way, or do it not completely, yeah. it can return. Right. Um, but
1: yeah. I mean, what? what how do you? How, how do you? If you don't push it off the cliff, so to speak. You, and, and let me ask you this. Do you think pushing it off the cliff is an artificial means of making sure it doesn't come back? Like, is there something that God's saying if that if that goat comes back? i
0: um, not understanding your question.
1: Okay. So you put the sin on the goat. Mm-hmm. You send it off into the wilderness, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is a ceremony. And so I think there's people that could look at this and think that this is a benign thing. It comes back. It's a goat, right? Mm-hmm. But... Is it possible that like if the goat stays away then it means one thing the Lord's you know kind of giving sending one message if it comes back to the camp the Lord's sending another message? Sure. I'm just wondering if
0: Yeah, that's possible.
1: Prophetically if that's an, what do you think it means? If,
0: like giving them a picture? Right. Right,
1: right, right, right. Like a prophetic act. Like you know people will do certain, all I mean most of this, right? Is is a rehearsal before the Lord anyways, Absolutely. right? Because there's a heavenly tabernacle that there's actual things that are happening, actual atonement that's happening, right? And this Tabernacle is mirrored, a picture. So this is
0: quite a visual for them to see and to experience. Right, no doubt. Yeah. And just the sacrifices and the ceremony alone is quite a visual. They had to participate so much in these things that it, it was a process of returning, repenting, and then being forgiven.
1: Right. And I mean, I, I think like even the offerings themselves, mm-hmm. putting your sin on it and then like watching it get its throat right, cut and right. bleed out and, yeah. and they use the blood as, as the atonement, whatever.
0: Like something has to pay. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. There's Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. You're not getting away with it. So, no. um. All right. So we mentioned that the scapegoat is called the Azazel. And in the book of Enoch, Azazel is the name of like, I wanna say it's either the chief demon or the fallen angel. Mm-hmm. So he's the leader of the other fallen angels and is responsible for the evil in this world. So mm-hmm. I, another interesting fact that we have Azazel as a name in the book of Enoch. Enoch is obviously not considered scripture. Um, and there's a lot of debate over the validity of Enoch, who it was written by, all those things. But I, I don't think it's coincidental that they both have the same name. Um, so this, in, in the Book of Enoch, this Azazel led uh, so much destruction that the book encourages its readers to ascribe all sin to him. So it's almost like this Azazel is Satan. Okay. Um, now this idea is related to the scapegoat as mentioned above and could be the reason that scapegoat is translated as Azazel in some translations of the Bible. Now, uh, the term Azazel is highly debated. But it can be identified as another name for, you guessed it, Satan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so obviously, Satan uh, is the Hebrew word hasatan, the adversary, the enemy. Um, It's just all it means. And then, obviously, in the Greek, Satan, um, diablos, is is devil, right? Uh, Which we all would agree that that's all referring to the same entity, the fallen angel. Sure. Right. Um, Also, Another interesting fact, uh, what we what we can find from Leviticus chapter sixteen verse thirty four, which says, "This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year, and he did as the Lord commanded Moses. And so what this does, this this commandment gives us two things. Uh, number one, it tells us that Yom Kippur is about corporate forgiveness. So we have our individual atonement that we talk about, right, individual salvation. Mm -hmm. And Christianity as a whole, at least, you know, every church I've ever been a part of and most of the teachings I've ever seen, uh, have a lot of focus on the individual salvation or the individual propitiation, the atonement that is made for us as individuals. Right. But God has a big plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're sitting here in the land of Israel, looking all around us, seeing the Jewish people come back to their land. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the land respond to the right people being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, prophecies, I mean, you sneeze over here, and the, oh look, fulfilled prophecy. And oh, like you pick up a stone and turn it over. Oh look, another mm-hmm. fulfilled prophecy. I mean, it's just everywhere we look. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, and and we could give you a, you know even a list of, of scriptures that, that we even know of that are, are are being fulfilled even by the prophetic acts that we're doing, just by being foreigners here in the land picking the grapes. Um,
0: but you're saying this is like a group effort. Correct. So it's like a group repentance.
1: Well, the Day of Atonement is a group, is a corporate Day of Atonement mm-hmm. versus an individual salvation, right? Um, which would be more of like Passover, yeah, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so not only that, so that's also the verse 34 also tells us that it's an everlasting statute throughout, right? the children of Israel throughout their generations, um, we know that the Day of Atonement isn't going anywhere. It says it's an everlasting statute for you to make atonement.
0: Well, and why do you think it's so important for us to join the Jewish people and participate in Yom Kippur? I mean, we know we're saved, we're forgiven. Why do you think it's so important that we still participate in this corporate forgiveness?
1: Um, I think because there's, God has an individual plan for each of our lives but there's also a big picture view of the prophecies as written in the prophets that we read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a big piece of that is about Israel. Now we believe as, as Christians, reading Ephesians 2, uh, reading Galatians, uh, reading Romans 11, that we're grafted into Israel, that we are part of Israel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the overall mainstream Christian view of prophecy is that God is going to do this big thing someday. Right. But there's another way to look at Scripture, and I think it's the way the Jewish people look at it. And and maybe there's something in the middle, but but the way the Jewish people look at it is this is like a list of things that we can participate in, like a laundry list of, this is what God wants to see happen, let's go do it. Right. Um, like, just an easy example is in Romans, uh, not Romans, um, Jeremiah thirty-one, where it says that um, that they'll they'll yet plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. Well, here we are, in the territory of Ephraim, on the mountains of Samaria, the Mount of Blessing, and what are we doing? We're we're seeing brand new vines, vines that haven't been here for two thousand years. Well, and
0: that takes people to come together to do. Correct. Yeah, so at Yom Kippur, we're coming together repenting, not only for us individually or for our families, but just for the nations, Mm -hmm. what the nations maybe didn't do that we should have done. Right. That's an opportunity. Amen. Um, And for the Jewish people to see that we want to participate in this day that they believe so significant. Right. Um, I don't know. I think that's really sending a supportive message.
1: Absolutely, Uh, I I think us being here, doing what we're doing, is sending a supportive message. Christians would fly; they would pay their own way to fly across the world, right, to support them in what they're doing is a big deal. Uh, But also, it's it's repairing the breach, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Christians have defiled the name of Yeshua, of Jesus, to the Jewish people by treating the Jewish people so poorly. Right. Uh, throughout history. And 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 I mean, there's just a laundry list of sins that we've committed against the Jewish people over time, that when the name of Jesus or Yeshua comes out of our mouth, mm-hmm. it, it almost pushes them further away from right. Yeshua than bringing them closer, yeah. which, which obviously is a problem, right.
0: right? Well, they're just receiving a different message than what we are trying to give. I mean, with all good intention, of course, we want to tell them about this salvation, but that name may be interpreted as something different for them. Right. Unfortunately. Right. But that's just the reality of it. Right.
1: Right. And truly the gospel's to the Jew first. They should be telling us about Yeshua. And many times when we're here, we're interacting with them, especially rabbis that are here, mm-hmm. we're hearing them speak. Right. And we're learning all oh. kinds of insight into yeah, the scriptures absolutely. that we've never had before. That's And amazing. I think you
0: mentioned too, which I've learned, you know, by coming here, is that the Jewish people are doers. Yeah. So, we don't have to talk very much, you know, yeah. as believers. If we just come here and do, it's um, it's making a difference. Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Alright, so, uh, moving on to Hebrews chapter 2. Um, for those of you that have read the book of Hebrews, you know that there's a lot of allusions to the priesthood and to some even to Yom Kippur in here. And so, we're going to start um, with Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 17, and it says here, Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful... Am I in the right place? I'm in chapter 2. Here, let me read it from here. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And then again, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Mm -hmm. Man, that's such an important thing. Mm -hmm. That we have a high priest that was tempted just like we are, right? That he came in human flesh. That it's not like we could be like, well, God, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get it. He doesn't say that.
0: Well, and that he's still currently interceding for us.
1: Right. But from that perspective, that right. he has empathy. Yes. He understands.
0: Right.
1: And yet he was without sin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So he took on human flesh. He knows what it's like to be in, in the flesh suit, right? Right. And yet he still didn't sin. Mm-hmm. That's That shows that, um, that he has that perspective. So when he goes to make atonement and make intercession for us, it's even knowing that he did it, right a lot of times people will accomplish something or do something and then not have sympathy or empathy for the people that can't do it mm-hmm. right they'll They'll almost be like, "Well, I did it. what's the deal? You know mm-hmm. I came and showed you that it's possible. you know why can't you do it?" But yeah, he didn't do that. He did the opposite, right He recognized in us our inabilities, yeah and did it for us, and then took it on the punishment, even though he was without sin, yeah right. Um, when you read Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25.
0: Sure, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love, and to do good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as we see the day approaching.
1: Mm. And it's interesting as it says there the day, right? And so, obviously, in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, it's all about Yom Kippur.
0: Yeah, so that's the day. (laughs) Right.
1: And so, uh, obviously, this is a New Testament preaching referring to the Day of Atonement, Mm -hmm. uh, exhorting us through the Day of Atonement. And so, Yeshua is our high priest. We find that in verse 21 of chapter 10. Um, We wash our bodies with pure water in in verse 22 of chapter 10, which represents doing a mikvah. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with mikvahs. Uh, you know John the Baptist, he's called John the Baptist, baptismo in the Greek, just means to immerse in water. Mm-hmm. A mikvah is a thousands of years old Jewish tradition of immersing in water, of ritual purification, so yeah. to speak. Another visual,
0: another action.
1: Another action, <laughs> yeah. right? Prophetic acts. Yeah. Um, now, doing mikvahs before the Day of Atonement is not a water baptism, but a mm-hmm. ceremonial part of the Torah that brings cleansing when we have faith to do it. Uh, Yeshua did a mikvah with John the Baptist when he came uh, to him to be obedient to the Father. Remember he said to John the Baptist, because John the Baptist was giving him, you know, saying, no, no, you should be
0: sure. giving
1: me a mikvah. You should be cleansing me. And Yeshua said, no, but that all righteousness might be fulfilled.
0: And he's leading by example.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. And so, um, And then just rereading verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. Now, the reference of the day approaching is not only in the regards to the Day of Atonement, but also the Day of the Lord, because <laughs> we have this, this, these two things together. Mm-hmm. So, if you've been following Christians with for any amount of time, or if you're familiar with any of the basic teachings on the feast days, from a prophetic standpoint, you know that the spring feasts represent Yeshua's first coming. Mm-hmm. So, you have Passover, right, with the sacrificial lamb, David, um, Uh, the unleavened bread. He is the unleavened bread. He is the sinless one, right? The day of first fruits. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. And then Shavuot or Pentecost. uh, When we receive the Torah, he is the living, breathing, walking Torah, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. So uh, the spring feasts have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled, but then you have the fall feasts, what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to the day of uh, the day of blowing, right? The day of the trumpets when the trumpet blasts and we hear that great shofar uh, in the Lord's return, right. and that and, He's going to judge the nations
0: and the coronation,
1: right? In the coronation of the King, right? He'll be crowned King on that day, mm-hmm. uh, and then the day of atonement, right, where He judges the earth. This ten days of all this period, and then the um, the uh, tabernacles, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right, feast of tabernacles, and so we're we're looking forward to the fulfillment of these fall feasts. So when we say the day of the Lord, and the day of atonement, right, that's how we're getting that connection because we're prophetically right. looking forward to this. And when we practice doing the feasts, you know, today we're doing just that. We're practicing. It is a rehearsal.
0: Well, and Yom Kippur was added, right? Because they, the they do
1: say that Yom Kippur was added because.
0: Tammuz. 17, the golden calf. Because
1: so of the sin of the golden calf. Right. Right. So the, He
0: gave us that atonement to kind of pick up to pieces again. Yeah, yeah. So, well, <laughs> His grace is just sufficient.
1: I mean, it, unwavering, never-ending, never ending. constant. Mm-hmm. We are sorely undeserving, and yet He just continues to give us grace. And
0: when we walk out these feast days year by year, it's just an opportunity. It's rehearsing. It's more chances to really connect and grow and get, get into this flow, this beautiful picture that he's trying to um, give us to fully embrace all that he has done and all that he's going to do and how this is really our future. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, what we have to look forward to is amazing. I mean, that's, and, and again, I mean, obviously the fact that we don't deserve it, we can, we can harp on that point. But what a joy it brings that we can look forward to with full assurance of faith, as Hebrews right. says, right? Full assurance of faith that what he said he would do, he's going to do. And that right. we, who are servants of the king, get to be part of the kingdom, his dominion, right? right. The king's domain.
0: And it's all about the kingdom.
1: And it is all about the kingdom. Yeah. Praise God. And you know what? Even the Jewish people understand that it's all about the kingdom.
0: Yeah, they do.
1: So, uh, a couple of interesting facts about Yom Kippur. The high priest dressed all in white. Uh, The only time the name of Hashem, right, the Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh was spoken uh, aloud was on uh, Yom Kippur. The year of Jubilee was announced on this feast, uh, and it is the only feast day where you fast. So so you may already know this, but the feasts aren't actually feasts. Um, The Hebrew word moed or moedim is Mm -hmm. actually an appointment, an appointed Mm -hmm. time, a set date. Uh, So it's not really... A feast so to speak we call them feasts because we feast on all of them except for uh yom kippur and so right. we, we obviously fast on that day and so
0: and you could say that your your spirit's feasting
1: right yeah right right yeah that's a good point <laughs> spiritual food right right um also uh the the only time the high priest entered into the holy of holies was on yom kippur which is kind of another another interesting point so um, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 32 through 33, Yeshua separates the sheep from the goats when he returns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Yeshua refers to us as his sheep. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, I know them and they follow me. Right. He doesn't say my goats right. hear my voice. Uh, he also, although at Passover, did you know you can sacrifice a sheep or a goat? Mm. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Makes me kind of wonder. I, I haven't looked too much into that. If you have any comments or thoughts on that, I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts on the fact that we can use a lamb or a kid of the goats uh, for Passover, which is a total, total side note. Um, but when Yeshua talks about separating the sheep from the goats when he returns, he's referring to nations that either supported or didn't support Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they give bread and water on the way? Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about you know Amalek and all that. So it's an interesting. Uh, correlation between how God judges the Amalekites for not supporting Israel when they were in the wilderness and uh, Yeshua's judgment of the sheep and goat nations mm-hmm. in the kingdom that is to come.
0: Right. There's always a separation, distinction.
1: Yeah. Right, right. Exactly right. Um, now here's a quote. On Rosh Hashanah it is written, on Yom Kippur it is it sealed. Is sealed. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, look at you. Uh, and it is also customary on Yom Kippur to read the book of Jonah, yeah. um, and so uh, reading the book of Jonah, I've always—it's another one where I wonder—you know, how did they come up with with these interesting—you know—it's a great traditions. book
0: to read, and when you realize how frustrated Jonah was, right, and how he didn't want these group of people to receive that salvation or that forgiveness, it's, it. I mean, we can put ourselves in Jonah's position. Oh, we
1: feel that way sometimes, right? Oh, I'm so righteous. You know, I'm so perfect. These people don't deserve the forgiveness of God, or they don't deserve to be... Or we
0: don't want to serve people until, like, they get something we think they need to get for us to support them or love them. Um, Right. You know?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it... It it... can all
0: be Jonah. So during Yom Kippur, I think it really gives us an understanding that we need to... um,
1: Remember what has been given to us, yeah. how much we have been forgiven for, yeah. so that then we will extend that same forgiveness sure. to others. Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's an important key uh, to remember, again, how much we've been given, yeah. um, you know. And to remember
0: his days. I mean, he wants an appointment with you. And, I mean, the king of the universe wants to still meet with you and with me and with all those around the nations that probably have rejected him, but he's still giving an opportunity of repentance right. to turn back yeah. you know, to him.
1: Yeah, and this may be a good time for me to just, I wanna encourage you mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people uh, that come into this Hebrew Roots movement. Mm-hmm. They're discovering the Feast of the Lord. They're discovering the relevance of Torah. They're they're going line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Mm-hmm. And they're doing their best to study the Word of God and they're watching YouTube videos and all kinds of stuff. And Sometimes you can get frustrated or confused with things because we're getting stuck in the in the, you know, the, the weeds. The <laughs> right, but stuck in the weeds. Uh, yeah. Not that everything in the Word of God isn't important, because it is. But mm-hmm. we've got to remember that we're supposed to take the Word of God and apply it to our lives right. in such a way that is honoring to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And... One of the things about the Moedim is that they are called Mikra. They're called Holy Convocations. And a Holy Convocation is something where we have to come together Mm -hmm. and do it.
0: With others. With others.
1: (laughs) And so there are a lot of different calendars. There's a lot of different people that tell you you have to do it this way or that way. Uh, And it's interesting because for those of us that are just coming into this and not having any background in it and just trying to do the best that we can, I think Paul addresses this in Colossians and I'll actually Roll over to Colossians for two seconds real quick, because uh, I can find Colossians here, here it is. And he says here in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, and I think this is the context for this verse, because I think a lot of Christians will take this verse and say it to mean that you don't keep the feasts or you don't keep the Sabbath. But I believe that this that I'm talking about is the context, right? People telling you, do it this way, do it that way, you're doing it wrong, Oh, you have to have this preset requirements before you can do it, all that. And so let me read verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 16 of Paul's letter to the Colossians. And it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or feast day or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ, of right. Messiah. Yeah. So, so, so
0: keep it about so him.
1: Keep, it, keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. The substance of the feast days is Yeshua. We should be taking the feast days and using them as an object lesson to look to Messiah and to remember what he has done for us and what yet he still is coming to do for us. Amen. Right. And
0: receive it for yourself Amen. and share it with others.
1: Right. Amen. That's probably a good thing to go on. So uh, keep the conversation going in the comments. Thank you for spending this time with us together. Uh, as you can see, this was a bit impromptu. We're not mm-hmm. in our cushy studio and yeah. prepared.
0: Thanks for your patience. Uh, you know,
1: <laughs> how we normally are. Hopefully everything comes out well. Um, And if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at at ryan2praise.net. If you need any resources or anything for uh, the feast days, any notes, you know, anything, questions like that, you can email me there. You can also put it in the comments, and myself and other people can answer you there. Um, Any last words?
0: Yeah, just, um, I don't know. Happy fasting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Bless you guys. Have a great week.